0: Hey friends, thank you so much for joining me today for this week's Moment with Miranda. It is that time again. This is the moment where you and I get to come together and we open the Word of God and we listen to hear what the Spirit of God would say to the church as we seek after Him and search for Him. And I am so thankful to be just one voice in the midst of many voices who are heralding the kingdom of God and who are standing for truth and for righteousness in the days that we live in. I know that this is something that we cannot do on our own and we cannot will it on our own, but as we seek the presence of God and seek to know Jesus more in every part of our lives, that we truly will become the living tabernacle, the tent of skins that houses the the glory of God that he has created us to be. So I want to welcome you today to this moment and into the house of the delighted father. He is always so happy when we freely come into his house and into his presence. It's in his presence that there is fullness of joy. It's in his presence that I can continually look to him and not feel ashamed. Why is that possible? Because in the presence of of the delighted Father, I know that He's looking at me and He is satisfied and He is happy. And that brings such joy to my heart. It's as I realize that I'm in His presence that faith begins to arise. Faith to believe what he says arises in my heart. And then I find myself speaking the words that he speaks over my life and over my situations. And then I see it transformed as I continue to behold him. This is not just something that I say, friends, but this is something that I am living. I can say that this truth has been transforming my life. I'm not the same person that I was As in last year, I've been made different and I'm being made new as I just continue to lean into this truth that God is delighted and that He is working His plan and His purpose in my life. And I want more. So if you are someone that wants more, you want more of His presence in your life, then I encourage you to stay tuned in for this moment. So welcome today. You know, I've been thinking so much about how the world has changed and how times have shifted, how things, especially in the Western world and in the Western church culture, seem to be different. Church is not quite the same as it was before. There seems to be no part that has been left unaffected. And I can speak to where I live and I can see that there has been a shaking of what Is really known to be the institution of the church. There has been this shaking of how we do things and this asking, why do we do it that way? And that all-important question made by those who are really seeking what it is that God wants and what the answer is, is that question of, okay, what is really important here? What does God long to do, and I am thankful that God is not a man like you and I that he doesn't grow weary or impatient like I can be prone to be. I hear the discontented grumbles of people around me that ripple under the under the current and behind the scenes. I can see. Um, just the reactions and the responses are my eyes fixed on the noise around. I can see how people come and go, seemingly at a whim. and I can get frustrated and I can get annoyed and I am weary and wasting the breath of my lungs talking about or trying to figure out what it is that people need or what it will take in order for them to be satisfied. What are they looking for? All this talk and wasted energy, about things that don't really matter and that we really can't do anything about anyway. And I am so grateful that as I see myself getting angered and frustrated that God is not like me and he doesn't get mad and he doesn't get annoyed, but instead he waits and he listens and he waits until we see what he sees. And we wait. he waits until we hear what he's saying. And he waits until our hearts begin to burn like his heart burns. And when they begin to, we realize that what we've been trying to fill with all the stuff, you know, our programs and our preferences, that they're no match for what we really need. And that's his presence that is his manifested presence in our lives and in our hearts. And I fear that as I look at the world and I look at the Christian culture that we have become no less than a consumer church culture. We're no different than Walmart or Target. You know, we want our preferences and we want our ways. Now I don't even have to go to the store. I can just get online and the store comes to me. Someone shops for me. They go and they pick the things that I pick and they come and they deliver them right to my door. I don't even have to get out of my house if I don't want to. Well, except to actually go and bring the goods into my home. But it's all in the name of my personal convenience and all in the name of my preference and and my wants. And you know what? It's kind of a really cool option that we have. There's nothing wrong with that if you choose to avail yourself to to that option. But I'm just wondering that Am I looking to God the same way? Has that same thought process begun to infiltrate my relationship with God? And even do I look at the church the same way as I look at Walmart or Target, simply with that consumer mentality of convenience and of personal preference? You know, I have to wonder, have I made God like a genie in a bottle where I go and rub the bottle when it's convenient for me in order to get from the genie what my wish is or what my desire is? Am I just visiting God like a friend with benefits, only going to God whenever I can get something from him or he has something that I want, rather than actually valuing the presence of who he is, his presence in my life? Will I worship God whenever it's not convenient for me to worship? Will I serve him when I'm not receiving some kind of a benefit that I feel like I should be getting from my service? Whenever I'm not getting the response from people that I want to get, you know, will I continue to love people that don't deserve my love? Just like he loves us, even when we don't deserve it? Or am I going to let that go because of my own personal preference? See, this kind of worship doesn't come from receiving all the presents or the gifts that God gives me that I'm asking for, His goodies. I'll call them God's goodies. This kind of worship comes from me receiving His actual presence. For me receiving from that place of just drawing near to Him and that place of intimacy, that awareness that comes when I realize that there's more to God than just what he can give me. But there is this filling of the longings of my heart, this place of rest, that he's the one that moves me, that he's the one that's the most valuable to me, that he is the essence of my life. This is where true worship begins to take place, when every part of me begins to become alive unto who he is and who he is created for me to be. See friends, we need his presence. I don't need his programs. I don't need my personal preference as much as I like it. I don't need it in my life. What I need is his presence. I need that place of intimacy that moves me beyond myself and into this place where I connect with God on a really real level. See, every program, every tradition of man, every idol that I've worshipped in the name of God it is going to one day fail me or I am going to one day fail it. It will never be enough and it will never satisfy because there's always going to be a new option and there's always going to be a new way. And you know what? They weren't meant to satisfy. That's why they're dead and they're lifeless idols. It's only the knowledge of Jesus Christ as my anchor in the ever shifting culture of the world and of the church that will be able to deeply satisfy the needs of my heart. It's his presence alone that will be able to give me rest and satisfaction. And it's his presence alone that will inspire true worship. And I've been studying recently about David and who he was as a man. He was genuine. He was a man that was full of faith. He was a worshiper of God. The Bible clearly says that he was a man after the heart of God. Now, that doesn't mean that everything that he ever did was right. It doesn't mean that he had all of the answers or he did things perfectly. But what it does mean is that he had a heart that desired God. And he desired deeply to do things right. He desired deeply to honor God. He placed a value on the things that God placed a value on. And he wanted to steward those things well. He had a heart that was sensitive to who God was, not just what God gave. And when we read the history of the people of Israel, we see that when God brought them out of the promised out of Egypt and into the promised land to take possession of it, that God gave them judges to help to govern them and to guide them. He gave them prophets that would hear his voice and would lead them whenever he they were going astray. He wanted to be the central character he wanted to be the reason for them he said i will be to you a god and you will be to me a people and it was his desire that the peop- his people would continue to look to him he told moses whenever he gave them the him the pattern for the tabernacle in the wilderness he said set the tabernacle in the middle of the camp so that it will always be the focal point not so that the building would be the focal point but so that his presence that was going to be there would be the place of focus. It was his presence among them that would be the light and the guide for everything. This was his desire. But there came a day when the people of Israel stopped looking to the judges and looking to the prophets to lead and to hear the voice of God. They said, we want a king. In fact, they said, give us a king just like every other king. And God told them through the prophet Samuel, he said, tell Israel what they're going to get if I give them a king like they've asked for. And so Samuel told them that if you get a king, this king is going to take your land. He's going to take your money. He's going to take your children. You are going to live a life of servitude to this king. And the people said, yeah, that works for us. Give us a king. It wasn't God's desire for there ever to be one person set up to rule over his people. His desire was to be the ruler himself and for his people to trust him and his leading and the people that he placed over them. But instead, he did what they asked of him. They said, give us a king because they wanted someone tangible to look to. And God gave him a king and he gave him a man named Saul. And the Bible is clear that God appointed Saul to the position of king that he was in. Samuel took the horn of oil and he anointed him for that position. But here's something interesting is just because Saul was given the gift of kingship, the present of kingship, did not mean that he actually knew God. It does not mean that he actually had the heart to serve God and to serve God's people. See, friends, just because someone is gifted in preaching or gifted in speaking, just because they have the gift of being able to move a congregation through their singing or through their leading does not mean that they have the heart of God. It doesn't mean that the presence or the gifts of God are what make them a man or a woman of God. See, a man or a woman of God is known by the presence of God in their life. This is not the presence of of his gifting, but rather it's his presence of character. It's not evident through their ministry or evident through their gift, but it's evident through the way that they express him to the world around them. See, we all can be moved by a gift. I'm telling you what, every time I hear Mariah Carey sing to this day, I can get goosebumps. Man, I can practically feel the spirit by just hearing her sing a song because her gift is amazing. Her gift has the ability to move me to this place where it draws something out of my soul. You know, millions of people have been impacted by her music through the years. But, you know, I have to look at the end of her life. I can't judge her heart because because ultimately I don't know what happened in those last moments, but I have to consider the end of her life. Because just because she was given a gift or a present by God didn't mean that she knew God. It didn't mean that she served God or had the heart of God. And it seems, unfortunately, that we lack discernment in the body of Christ and we can get caught up in this same trap. We can get moved by the emotional worship or by emotional preaching. Someone who has that gift that was given by God God. And we can get moved because we like it. We can feel the spirit or we can be moved to go to a certain church because we really like the way that that pastor delivers the word or that word is something that makes us feel good. And I really like that message that he's giving me. We can give to God because we think that if we do that he'll give to us. I'm going to do something so that I can move the heart of God. And it sounds Super spiritual. It sounds like this godliness, but what it actually is is super self serving. It's actually a form of self worship that I've just begun to participate in. I'm actually worshiping or valuing my own preference above the presence of God, above who He is and how He actually wants to move in a particular situation. Can I still give to him the same response? Can I still come to his church, come to hear the word given when it's not something that soothes me, something that I actually like or prefer? When Can I still come and worship when I'm not getting that same emotional charge or feeling the spirit the same way that I'm used to? See, I know that this can sound like a hard word today, friends, but I'm stirred and I look at my own life as well because I have been one that has been led in the past by my emotions. I have mistaken gifts for the presence of God and it's not the same emotions are a gift, but emotions are not the guide or the indicator of the presence of God among me. They are a present. They are a gift, but they don't indicate his actual presence in my life or in a church or in a service that I'm a part of. See while Saul was king in Israel the ark of the covenant was the symbol of the presence of God among the people and the whole time that Saul this man that was gifted by God to the kingship the whole time that he was the king he never actually had the ta- the ark of the covenant come into the tabernacle of god he never valued the symbol of god's presence among the people more than he actually actually valued the gift of the position that God had given him. See, the Ark of the Covenant the whole time laid in the house of this man called Abinadab, who was a priest that had recovered the Ark of the Covenant from the Philistines when they had stolen it 20 years prior. Why didn't Saul, a man who was gifted with the kingship, why didn't he seek to go and bring the Ark of the Covenant back to the people? It's because he didn't have the value for the actual presence of God. He only valued for the present, the gift that God would give him. He didn't know that it wasn't about the piece of furniture itself, but what it actually represented, the physical presence of God among the people. And throughout his kingship, the only time that we see where Saul ever actually went and sought after hearing from the presence of God, he went through Samuel so often was whenever he was looking for something from God. He wasn't actually looking for the presence of God to just meet with God for who he was. He was just looking for his presence, for his gifts, the goodies of God, if you will. He wasn't actually looking to know the heart of God. He was just serving to get a benefit from God. He was just using God as his friend with benefits. We can see this in examples in his life. We see this whenever he tried to sacrifice, when he wasn't the one who was supposed to sacrifice. He thought, if I sacrifice to God, then I can get God to move on my behalf because that's what he really wants. No, it wasn't sacrifice that he wanted. He wanted obedience. We can see this, that Saul proved he was just looking for the benefits whenever he got in trouble for doing his own thing and not totally eradicating the Amalekites like God desired. You know, Saul was only ever sorry and came to this place of worship whenever he was afraid that he was about to lose his benefits package. He was afraid that he was about to lose the kingship. He was never truly repentant for what he did because he never placed any value on the presence of God, on who God was. It was wasn't that God wanted sacrifice because that pleased him. He wanted sacrifice because he was holy and because his glory demanded it. It was about who he was, not about us trying to get something from him. And Saul never understood this in all of the years of his kingship. He really only wanted a God with benefits. But what about David? What about this second king, King David? What was it that made him a man after God's own heart? Probably whenever I talk about David, you can think of a couple events in his life right off that come quickly to your mind. Two that come to me straight away are David's encounter with Goliath and also his encounter with Bathsheba. We see in one instance where he defeats the giant, and we see in another instance where the giant defeats him. There's these two battles that we are able to look at, one in his favor and one to his shame. But I want you to notice that the outcomes of both of these battles were the same, in that both of the battles allowed David to recognize the value of the presence of God in his life. In the first one, he saw the value of the presence of God on the field with Goliath. He honored God as the one who helped him in the battle. He said to Goliath, he said, you come to me with a sword and with a spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. See, even as a youth, David recognized that what he brought with him was not his own skill. What he brought was the presence of the Almighty God. It was the presence of God with him that he knew was going to make a difference. He, didn't, he knew it wasn't his stones in his sling. He knew it was because the presence of God was a part of his life. He saw value for the presence of God. It was that value that allowed him to defeat Goliath. But I want you to know that in an even greater way, and later on in his life, David saw the value for the presence of God whenever he recognized that he had sinned against God. He came from this place of a broken and a contrite spirit, this place of a repentant heart. He said, God, it's against you and you alone that I have sinned. He said, don't take your spirit from me. Restore to me the Joy of my salvation. What was the joy? Remember, I told you, friends, that in the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. How is it that this man, even before the cross, recognized that it was in the presence of God that he truly had this fullness of joy and understanding that the face of God was turned toward him? This is what David valued. It wasn't the loss of the child that he and Bathsheba had, it wasn't fear of the loss of the kingship. It was the loss of the presence. He said, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Renew the right spirit within me. See, this is what it meant to actually have a heart after God. So friends, I'm asking myself today, very humbly, in this moment, what am I placing the greatest value on of on in my life? What am I placing the most value on in my life today? What am I looking for to be the anchor of my soul to make my life's pursuit? Is it satisfying the preferences of other people? Is it satisfying and letting my own preferences be satisfied? Or am I looking, you know, for a church that suits all of my needs and wants? Do I want a God with a good benefits package? Or do I actually want the God who dwells? Do I want the God that David wanted? Is it the presence or the gifts that God gives me? Or is it his actual presence that I desire? And friends, this is a hard one. I w- I want to say, man, I want your presence, God, more than anything. But do I want that whenever, what if he never did another good thing for me? Would I still want God? Would I still seek after God? See, I think that this is what made David a man after God's own heart. A man that was a true worshiper. It was knowing the value of God himself. And it was honoring the things that God honored In spite of every other thing, it was coming to the place of repentance when he realized I have just disgraced. I have just dishonored God. What I just did was against the character of God. Forget about, is this going to get me in trouble? Am I going to lose the kingship? Am I going to lose the presence of God because I have valued his gifts more than him, he himself? You see, it wasn't sacrifice that God wanted. David realized this. It was his heart. It wasn't perfection that God even wanted. It was just a willing heart that would come. See, just like God wanted David, David wanted God. So friends, in this moment today, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of Light's in whom there is no shadow of turning. There's no end to his presence if we will just come to him. He gives good gifts, but friends, he is the gift. The gift of his presence is what matters more than any other thing. When my world is shaken, And I have nothing left tangible. When old King Saul dies and I am left just with empty hands, do I have him? Is he sitting on the throne of my heart? When all of the preferences of my church shake, do I still find myself drawn to his house? Not because that they have everything I want, but because he's there because I bring him there, because I want to stir others to know him. See friends, it's his presence that is the most valuable thing that I could ever receive in my life. It's in his presence that I find, no matter if my preference is met or not, that there is fullness of joy. I wanna ask you today, will you seek God today for his presence, rather just for the gifts and the benefits that he can bring to your life. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this challenging word that you have brought to us tonight. Lord, it's a word that I know is one that will continually have to be stirred up and to be revisited because I confess that I can look at the temporary. I can look at the tangible and say, I want something that I can see that satisfies me, something that will make me feel good, something that I can grasp onto, something that I'm happy with. But God, I confess that as much as I can want that, that I can be changeable in any moment, not even knowing what that thing is that I want, Lord. What I need is your presence. What I need is an awareness of who you are, that when everything else is shaken, that only you will remain, that only you are the one who will truly satisfy every need of my soul. Father, I ask that you would stir within your church the desire to turn away from the consumer mentality of church, but to actually ask God, what can I bring you? What would thrill your heart? And God, what I know would thrill your heart is just someone who comes just presents themselves before you continually. And Lord, I see that as we present ourselves, that you say, here I am, here's my presence. How about a little joy? So Father, I thank you in this moment today that you teach us, that you draw us, and that you would make us more aware of your presence in our lives every single moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Stay tuned in for more Moment with Miranda.